welcome to the NCI TechCast, the business IT podcast from NCI Technologies. Our debut podcast will be focusing on cybersecurity at home and NCI Technologies resident IT executive and tech guru will be offering his views and advice on today's topic. Due to business commitments, this episode was recorded over the phone. Hi James and welcome to the NCI TechCast. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Joanne. I'm glad to be here. The first question is, why are we talking about cybersecurity at home and not in the office? This is a business IT podcast. This is a question I get asked quite a lot. Um, And it's because good practice starts at home. If If there's a reason for an individual to be invested in it, if we look after ourselves, then that good practice will come into the workplace, making it a safer and better environment for everybody. So how should we be keeping cyber safe at home? Well, I've got sort of five key points, five tips that we're going to go through today for keeping ourselves safe. Um, What I'd like to sort of add here, though, is that things do go wrong from time to time. This is not something that you should be embarrassed about. It's quite the opposite. It's something that we should be talking about. We should ignore our gut reaction to cover things up so that you don't look silly. Um, What we really want to be doing is talking about it. A friend, a colleague at work, the police, um, so that we can stop this kind of cybercrime happening and so that we can spread sort of the good the good word and the good practice. So what is the first thing we should do? So the first thing we should do um, when using the internet is make sure that we trust the website that we're on. Um, So this this comes both when we're looking for information and there's been a lot in the news recently about fake news and things like that, um, as well as when we're making purchases online. And there's lots of technical things that you can look for, but the the question that you need to ask yourself is, do you trust the source? Mm-hmm. So when when you're looking for like news articles on the internet, um, you you do, or at least you should, place a higher trust in a service like the BBC or CNN rather than little Jimmy's news site that he's made in his bedroom. Cool. The same, yeah, the same sort of applies when you're shopping. Would you trust a major retailer like Amazon or Argos or somebody like that? Um, or would you trust somebody that you've never heard of before um, that has a deal that's too good to be true, that kind of thing? Makes sense. So are you saying that we should only trust the big names? It's not that we should only trust the big names, but it's that we should... Um, do a little bit more research in those sort of organizations that we don't know much about. So if we see a price that's too good to be true on the internet for something that we want to buy, it may Mm -hmm. be a genuine deal. But what you should do is maybe look at Trustpilot or something like that just to make sure that they're a reputable company and that they're they're doing um, everything that they should do mm-hmm. um, and what we're trying to safeguard here is both 
our personal information, so our names, addresses, things like that, and our credit card and bank details. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't just wear them on a sign around your neck, so don't do that on the internet. No, quite right. You also mentioned that there are other things that we can do to stay safe. Can you highlight these for us? Yeah, so there's some technical things that we can do to make sure that we're we're safe on the internet. The first one is when we're on a website where we're going to put in any personal details at all, make sure that at the top of your screen you've got the little padlock symbol that shows that that traffic is being encrypted and shows um, that we're being as safe as we can be. Um, mm -hmm. The next one that um, we can do is to just have a quick look at the website. Is the website sort of technically well made so there's not sort of random bits of text or pictures all over the place? Mm -hmm. And does that website contain things like a real address rather than a PO box so that we can get in contact? Does it have a phone number that we can call if we have a problem? Um, those kinds of things are things that proper world trading companies will have available on their website. So once I've found a site I trust, am I safe to place an order? Yes, you're safe to place an order, um, but when you're placing the order, um, there's some extra bits and pieces that we can do um, to protect ourselves as consumers. Mm -hmm. um, and this is true whether you're an individual or a business. So the first and the most important one is only use credit cards online um, rather than bank or debit cards. The reason for that is that a credit card um, has certain safeguards built into it and um, you can place a dispute on your credit card quite quickly and quite easily um, should something go wrong. And it's the credit card's obligation to help you sort it out Whereas if you have a problem when you're using your debit card, the onus is on you to sort it out and take the proof to the bank and prove that you've done everything that you can do, mm. which is a lot more difficult. Some websites I shop have a PayPal or Google Pay. Am I better to use these? Um, it's a good idea to use these, um, these services. Um, because these companies are big, they have whole teams dedicated to vetting suppliers, monitoring suppliers and making sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, these services also have feedback ratings so that you can rate how good the seller was and yeah. it helps them to identify um, when a supplier might be becoming problematic for them but still use a credit card um, so you can still put in place um, the safeguard that we spoke about just a minute ago. So what is next on your security list of recommendations for us? This one's always hard for me because I'm never sure which order to put the next two in. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go for passwords as this is a two for one. Um, so a question for everyone listening and, and for yourself, Joanna, is how many of you people use the same passwords for everything? I try not to. <laughs> that, that's the operative bit, um, trying not to. Um, if everybody listening is honest with themselves, 
just as human beings, we use the same passwords over and over again. This is a bad thing. Um, it means that if one website that we use, that we put our email address and password into, um, gets hacked through no fault of um, sort of the end user ourselves, um, and a criminal steals a list of passwords, if you've used that password somewhere else, then they immediately have access to those services where you've used that password. This happens with an outstanding amount of um, regularity. I'm sure you'll have seen uh, mm. things recently with the likes of Talk Talk that lost um, lists of passwords that weren't encrypted and things like that. Yeah. So you, you really don't want to be using the same passwords. But James, it can be really difficult to remember lots of passwords. I know I struggle. Is there anything we can do to help us remember them? This is where the magic of a password manager comes in. And I'll, I'll hold my hand up to this one as well. Um, my, my brain can't cope with lots and lots of different passwords. And you, you're right, they are very, very difficult to, to sort of manage, especially if you go for complex passwords. First of all, complex passwords are difficult to come up with, and then they're um, difficult to remember. Um, so what a password manager will do for you is it will store all of that information in a nice, safe, and secure database, and it will um, let you access it just with one master password Is it safe to store your passwords in this way, though? Again, it comes down to the trust um, in the company that you're using. So, for example, um, Google are a big trustworthy company, but there is some questionability around the storage that they use for passwords that when you save them in Chrome. So, for example, they store them unencrypted on your computer hard drive. So if your hard drive was stolen, then, you, then the bad guys, the criminals, would be able to access that list. Um, if it's a free service, you have to ask yourself how these free services are being funded. Nobody does anything for free, really. Nobody is that altruistic. Hmm. So who would you recommend that people like us use? Personally, I recommend a company called Remember. Um, their Remember password product. I trust the service. I have, I have to pay for it so I know how the business is being funded. Um, the company has a, a great reputation in this area along with some of the other products that they um, produce. And I really like how cute the bear is. So. <laughs> I'll have to check him out. <laughs> so, um, just as a, sorry. No, carry on. Um, so I was just going to do a little recap there. Use strong passwords and have different passwords for each that you visit. And what would your final cyber security top tips be for us today? So the final ones will be um, using two-factor authentication. 
so um, at home you're used to that with online banking you have to put your card into a little pin century type device where you type in your pin number and it gives you a random changing password all the time yeah um, when you implement that into a business network that adds an extra layer of security making it just so much more difficult for criminals to get into the network because it relies on that constantly changing password on a device that only the user has access to so right. it increases the security so much more um, also because you're using three bits of information two of which are sort of stored inside the user's head and the third mm. which is a random bit of information um, just by the law of averages it makes you a lot more difficult to um, sort of be hacked into. Um, lots of website services offer the option to turn on two-factor authentication. Um, not every website asks you to do it by default. Um, and we really need for the whole of the internet to sort of join in and join together to try and combat um, cybercrime by making this the default position that right. two-factor authentication is turned on. Um, my next one on my list will be don't click sort of unsolicited links that turn up in your email. And the same goes for files. So if you're expecting an email from somebody, and they send you a web link or they send you a file to look at, the chances are it's, it's safe and it's, it's fine to do that. If it's just a random email out of the blue that you're not expecting, don't click on the links. Don't open the files um, because they could contain um, viruses, malware, that kind of thing um, and that sort of ties into my next one about not giving away too much information about yourself right so when you sign up for a service only put in the bare minimum amount of information that you need so mm. if you're signing up for a I don't know a newsletter what do they really need information-wise about you? They need your name, they need your email address, and they need your consent to email. Right. What they don't need is your address or your credit card number and things like that. So don't, don't fill in those fields. Don't volunteer that information. Thanks for your input and views today, James, and a big thank you to our listeners for joining us for our very first podcast. If you have any feedback or any topic suggestions, just email us at info at ncitech.co.uk. Don't forget to tune in to our next edition of the NCI TechCast, where we will be discussing all things business IT. Until then, TechCast fans, bye.
Are you looking for proactive and reliable IT support for your business or school? Simply visit ncitech.co.uk to see how we can help support you with your IT needs.